0: 10-11 now. Yeah, we're just getting ready for that first game. Um, no depth, chart. I'm not that old of a guy, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to play football. And the 1011
1: studios in Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: I mean, it's college football. I mean, it's nobody's really here to, to make friends and sing Kumbaya. I mean, it's, it's Big Ten power football. Like- I think you'll hear something. I think you'll hear something. I think you'll hear something. If I wanted to tell you, I would. This is the N Report Podcast. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Report Podcast. My name is Bill Schammer, joined by Kevin Suits and Eddie Messel. Kevin, Eddie, it is game week, and Scott Frost sounds
1: like it is game week. Sound a little Bill (laughs) Belichick-esque, if you will. Scott Uh,
2: Belichick Frost. What what were your impressions of what he had to say today, Eddie?
3: No, I don't even know how to explain what we saw today. He was very, like you said, Bill Belichick-esque. We heard i excited for Saturday. I can't wait for Saturday. I can't wait to see how you guys play Saturday. Probably at the end of every single question. Very short, uh, 21 questions in total. So it was a little, you know, not what I think everyone expected. Uh, come game week, that would be a little more excited. But uh, definitely very Bill Belichick-esque with not giving anything away.
2: Kevin, I I trimmed up all of his sound bites, and it was under two minutes of talking total. Scott Frost has been known to be brief before. I don't know if he's ever been that brief.
1: Five minutes, three seconds total. I think one of the things that struck a lot of people that were watching or listening to Scott Frost's press conference ahead of its week zero game against Illinois is he came at the tail end of a very jovial tone from the Nebraska football team. The players were seeming to say all the right things. They're very excited. They're wanting to take advantage of the opportunity that's ahead of them, and they're really embracing the spotlight of having the week zero opportunity. I like how Austin Allen joked about, well, I wish I was in a plane going to Ireland. But no matter where it (laughs) is. Next year. Next year, because this was supposed to be the year that they went Mm -hmm. to Ireland to play Illinois, and of course that is not happening. Instead, they make a beautiful trip over to Champaign, Illinois. But regardless, the the players seem to be very excited, not to mention the day started – with black shirts being awarded. So there was so much goodness layered in Mm -hmm. Nebraska football today. And then at the tail end of the media availability, Scott Frost (laughs) seemed to not quite be in line with that jovial tone.
2: We're coming to you from the 1011 Now Digital Desk, where we have the opportunity to uh, show you some sound bites. We have the opportunity to, to kind of go through Twitter, uh, do a, fun, a few fun things uh, with this podcast. Um, and then, of course, uh, you can catch that um, on 1011now.com or our podcast uh, on various podcast platforms. We've been talking about Scott Frost. Here is the mashup of what he had to say today.
0: I love My team right now, we're having fun. We're preparing hard. We're getting ready for that first game. We're excited. Yeah we got multiple guys that are are ready to play and they're all prepping hard for this first game. We gave out 12 black shirts and I know those guys are uh, excited to get on the field on Saturday. I like how they're preparing for the game this Saturday. Um, Starting with today, I like how they're prepared in camp. Um, I like how they're leading the team to get us ready. I don't know, I'm focused on a Saturday. They're they're playing hard, we're getting good leadership. Um, I think the focus is there, Uh, the guys are excited. Yeah, there's some challenges to playing a team that uh, has a new staff. Um, we didn't play very well against them last year, made some mistakes. We need to play better uh, this this year. Um, I think the guys are locked in on that. 100% satisfied we can always get better, but uh, I've been excited about the preparation. Um, all the preparation in, in the world doesn't matter if you don't go play well. So um, I think our guys are, are laser focused right now, and I like where they are. We'll see. We're doing whatever we can to get them in the right environments to be ready to play. Um, that's what you can expect around here. is a is a warm game early on in this league. So, I think uh, I think we'll have them ready to try to perform well. I feel good about it. Um, look forward to watching them play on Saturday.
2: Look forward to watching them play on Saturday. You you didn't get much out of that.
1: You know what though? I, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time talking about Scott Frost and the briefness of his press conference on week zero. He's a coach that wants to coach football. And he's been saying... And he doesn't
2: want to give a whole lot away. I mean, there's and nothing LA's wrong with not that. Illinois not
1: giving a whole lot away either. They have a new coaching staff. They have 40-plus seniors on that team. Uh, they've, they've got Fort Knox over there in Champaign as well. So let's just play the game, Bill. We're, we're close. And, you know, if we want to focus on things that were said about uh, the football team and the game coming up this week, i want to look to all the players because, you know, there are a number of storylines that came out of Monday's news conference. The captains, you know, Austin Allen saying... He made it a goal to try to be a captain on this team. He got that opportunity. Damian Daniels, who's been in his brother's shadow, he's now a team captain. Black shirts are awarded. The guys are talking about the history and the tradition behind wearing a black shirt at the University of Nebraska. And remember, on defense, that's where there are a number of players who are back for an additional season. The super seniors. And there's five of them. And it really means something to them. So I'm not gonna let the the Scott Frost portion of the Press conference cast a cloud mm-hmm. over all the good things that were spoken from Nebraska's players.
2: The University of Nebraska's creative team, their digital team, their social content team is really second to none. Um, black shirts were handed out today, 12 of them. This is this is what they put out uh, just about oh 1:30 or so this afternoon.
1: Privilege to hand out the first
0: one, Deontay Williams. Yeah. yeah! Privilege and honor to be able to present a couple of black shirts to some captains. Cam Taylor Britt. Damien. Woo. Uh, Woo. 99. Get up here. Woo. This thing symbolizes what Nebraska defense is all about. Jojo Doman.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Nick Heinrich, Nick? Uh, Deandre Thomas. Yes, sir! Woo! Woo! Garrett Nelson. Woo. Luke. Luke. Luke.
4: Woo! Oh. Woo! Woo! Ben. Yes, sir! Markel Desmute. Oh, yeah. Caleb Tanner. Yes, sir! <laughs> Y'all
0: know what you signed up for when you came to Nebraska. This thing is bigger than us. It goes beyond our time here, and it always will be. we got to honor the people that came before us and the dudes that will go after us each and every day. Let's get it.
4: Day by day! Day by day!
2: The people that came before us from JoJo Doman, they were some familiar How cool is that that your athletic director is handing out black shirts, a former black shirt himself, To team
1: captains. Because he was a black shirt. And then Cam Taylor-Britt was even speaking about that about an hour after receiving his black shirt Mm and saying what an amazing moment that was for him. And so for those of you that are listening and not watching this, some of those guys that were awarding them, you've got Jason Peter, Trev Alberts, Jay Foreman, you know, some big names, Barrett Rude, he was a coach, Mm and he's handing it out to his position players. A a really powerful moment there, and to just look at the eyes of the guys that are on a knee, of course, the offensive players really just celebrating their teammates, and then if you're a second second string defensive player, what's going through your head, Bill? I want one. How do I get one of those? How do I get one of those? And that's part of the the motivation behind black shirts and also just what the weight of all it represents truly is. Let's talk about black
2: shirts right now because uh, this is a defense that returns what,
1: the the ten leading tacklers from last season? And and it's at all levels too. That's one of the biggest things about this defense for Nebraska is they have returning starters up front. Ben Stilley most notably a guy who's played a ton of football over his college career. Then on the second level, you have a bona fide leader in Jojo Doman. And Luke Reimer got a lot of good reps last year as a true freshman. I think he's going to be even better this year. And then on the back end, this is where Nebraska's defense gets pretty salty, Bill. Cam Taylor-Britt, one of the best corners in the Big Ten, if not the country. Guaranteed draft pick next year. Yeah, remember, he had the option. He could have gone pro, but he wants to come back. He's got some unfinished business, and he jokes about how many interceptions he wants this year. He calls it cam class, being able to intercept the football. Markel muke Deontay Williams. Then there is a position battle for the second cornerback spot. So I think the defense will be the strength of this team, And they're pretty experienced at all the three levels, which I think will lend to pretty good things. And
2: this defense, while there's a lot of excitement about it, it hasn't been a top-tier defense for the first three years. I'm going to go just through some rankings under uh, Eric Chenander and Scott Frost here. Um, Let's go rush defense, 2018-96th, 2019-94th, 2020-69th. Total defense, 2018, 94th, 2019, 64th, 2020, 50th. Scoring defense, 2018, 88th, 2019, 66th, 2020, 64th. Those are three statistics that have improved each and every year, but still last year, I mean, we're talking about not a top 30 defense, not a top 40 defense, this was a top 70 defense last year. So why can a top 70 defense turn into a top 50 or maybe a top
1: 30 defense? Experience, number one. Secondly, personnel. They've been able to recruit. I think that's where the numbers increase truly. They have a different bodied player at the different levels. They're able to get a Ty Robinson up front. Uh, somebody that can really eat up a lot of space in the middle. And then on the back end, I think they have a little bit more speed. Braxton, Clark and you know some of the newcomers. Tyreek Johnson, a guy that they got to transfer in from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think that they're a little bit more athletic on the back side and I, I think it really comes down to those two things. Eddie, they're, more, does it, they're more athletic and they have more experience.
2: Eddie, does this trajectory continue?
3: Uh, I think it does. Like I said, I think the cornerback battle is something that's super interesting with obviously someone like uh, cam taylor Britt, there right now but um you know kevin mentioned a few of those guys uh braxton clark you know all those guys they mentioned uh turner today all those guys coming back i feel like you gotta you have a pretty formidable defense you know building up for the future Another one
1: that's still going right now um, a lot of guys at the top you
0: know quentin newson tyreek johnson braxton clark <clears throat> you know and you're seeing a couple a couple young guys really really come on, too. And yeah, it's been good, but it's been a friendly competition. You know what I mean? We all help each other if we mess up on a certain thing or if one person does something better than the other, we always just trying to help correct each other and make each other better because it makes the group better and you're only as strong as your weakest link. So
1: They're all kind of, those, those top three, Braxton, uh, Tyreek, Quentin. they're all getting reps the ones right now, so that, that's, a, that's a good competition.
2: Kevin, who's, who starts alongside Cam Taylor-Britt on Saturday? I think it's Braxton Clark.
1: And that's who we just heard from. Quinton Newsome would be another understandable answer because I think he's the guy who maybe emerged slightly ahead during spring football. I think it's Braxton Clark, and here's why. He played in 2019 as a true freshman, did a nice job. He's long. He's really athletic and smooth. Battle the injury bug. I I think he's really good in coverage uh, situations. He got hurt last year, so we never got to see him in his development. He's fully recovered. Uh, He seems to have a load of confidence, and I've heard his name. As you talk to some of the other defenders, he's a name that constantly comes up, and it sounds like he's had a productive fall camp. my, My money's on to Braxton Clark.
2: Eddie, what's the biggest thing this defense needs to accomplish over the next 12 games to become the defense that we all think it can be right now?
3: Um, I think it's kind of what they talked about earlier on the season when we first started uh, getting into these press conferences. Is uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. If they can do that and allow those guys, you know, force force quarterbacks to make some uh, some crazy throws. You you have that that very deep uh, secondary. So for some, you know, I think that allows if you get pressure on the quarterback, that allows that secondary to really make some some big some big time plays if uh, you know quarterbacks are throwing around and all that. So allow them to make some plays, and uh, I think easily pressure on the quarterback got to be number one.
2: Let's talk about pressure on the quarterback because two you got some major. More stats, pre- don't you? I, I did. I did my research this morning, all right? Third down conversion percentage, oh, 2020, 96. Yep. 36.5% rate. Team sacks, 2020, 96th in the country, less than two a game. This team did not add a major. A major pass rusher, either in the transfer portal or a major five-star recruit pass rusher. Uh, but they have the likes of Garrett Nelson. They have the likes of JoJo Doman. They have the likes of, of Ben Stilley and Ty Robinson and Damian Daniels. Can they get to the quarterback more, Kevin?
1: You, you left out a name. Caleb Tanner. I think, I'm think i not going to say that he's Shaquem Griffin because Shaquem Griffin's mm-hmm. a one-in-a-million player, a guy that they, this defense utilized at UCF. I think Caleb Tanner is the closest thing they have to a Shaquem Griffin. If it's not Caleb Tanner, it's JoJo Doman. I think they're going to send JoJo a lot more this year. I think they had to hold him back uh, a little bit more last year because there was a little bit of youth and inexperience they were battling at the second level. He had to drop back into coverage more. I think that JoJo, he's such an athletic guy. Put him on the edge, and every other play sporadically – bring him in you know let him just try to roam free and get right to that quarterback because if it's a foot race and at that nickel position that's really that's what it's about right yeah and you know Jojo you could call him a quote unquote nickel it's not exactly a nickel you think of a nickel back as somebody that plays more coverage and Mm -hmm, then blitzes maybe a couple times a game I think Jojo is a guy that blitzes once a drive maybe once a series so I think that he's more of an outside backer that does have coverage skills
2: I think, if, I think this defense will improve. I think it has to, and I think with, with your top ten tacklers coming back, it will. If they can get that stat number from 1.6 per game to 2.5 per game, from 96 to maybe 66th in the country, uh, just imagine the difference that can make overall, especially with you know, a lockdown cornerback along with two safeties. Who are as good, that tandem Pro is potential. as good as it gets in the Big Ten as well.
1: Yeah, guys side by side on the back end. That's that's pretty good with Dismuke and Deontay Williams. Now, I, I like your numbers, Bill. They're great. And, and it really does. the numbers guy, Kevin. It, it does, <laughs> we, we know that. Uh, <laughs> it does illustrate the progression. Do you have turnovers, takeaways? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can throw sacks out there. You can throw a third down a What uh, about the takeaway? I mean,
2: it's the biggest statistic, really. <sighs> Really Frost, under the Scott Frost era, and Scott it's Frost kind said of last week. It was the worst it was last year.
1: Yeah, and Scott Frost said last week during his radio coaches show that games are won and lost based on turnover margin. Nebraska failed in that category last year. It's a big reason why they went three and five.
2: 2018, they were ranked 83rd with a minus two turnover margin. 2019, minus two is not good. 2019, they were 61st, even. 2020. They were 123rd out of 127 teams. They played eight games. They had a minus 11 turnover margin. No. In eight games, they had a minus 11 turnover margin. You
1: know, I covered the team. It's the
2: number one statistic to offense, defense, special teams that has got to get better if this team's going to be better.
1: I, I knew it was bad. I did not know it was minus 11. That is that That's is one and a good. half a game. That is. That's not one and a half turnovers. That's one and a half opposite of what you're getting and that is beating yourself right there because what is a turnover well we're talking about fumbling the football throwing a pick just things you can't do you know Mm -hmm. it's one thing to go three and out or drive the ball to midfield and then the drive stall out then you play the field position game you're not even giving yourself the chance to play the field position game if you're just giving the other team the ball
2: like defense, I think the one area that is guaranteed to get better this year, and it's largely because of this person, is special teams. Let's listen to Coach Mike Dawson. As
4: far as guys that are backups uh, on offensive defense, to me, I hope that uh, they all want to play as much football as they can. You know, on special teams, I talk about this a lot with the guys. It's probably the most pure form of football that there is. You know, kickoff's the easy example. You're talking about 10 guys and a kicker that are running down um, – you know, full speed, uh, trying to go ahead and get down to the guy that has the ball. That's probably how we all started playing on the playground. Hey, let's give one guy the ball and try to tackle him, or let's try to, you know, not get tackled. So uh, th- th- that part of it is uh, is exciting, and I think the guys really love that part. So uh, I hope that they all are are, 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 are wired in that way and want to play as much as they can, especially if they're not a starter uh, on offense or defense, a chance to get out there and get on the field, and then for some guys maybe an opportunity to get on the trip when we're limited in numbers as far as how many guys we're allowed to bring. Uh, Per the conference, so uh, it may be the difference for some guys between being able to make the trip out to Champaign or not.
2: It's been widely publicized that special teams has not exactly been Scott Frost forte. They have an official special teams coordinator, not an analyst. That is Mike Dawson, who also coaches
1: uh, the outside backers. I mean, first of all, you you love the personality that he, he brings to the press room, right? He's one of the best. You know, one of the most quotable coaches, I would say. If he's not one, he's one B. The other one being Greg Austin. Those two coaches, when they step to the podium, it's let, let's turn up the ears. They they keep you on your toes, and they usually have a couple of quick drops in there that make you chuckle or really raise your eyebrows.
2: Okay, he's got a quotable, He's a quotable coach, but does he have a kicker who can kick it into the end zone?
1: I think so. I think they got three. I, I really do. Who goes on the trip? That's that's what's really interesting, Bill. Is they're starting on the road. They can't have 150 guys go. So which kickers, how many specialists mm-hmm. are they going to bring? Of course, Connor Culp is going to go because he will handle all PATs and field goals. He's the Big Ten's kicker of the year from a season ago, and uh, his position solidified. And, man, what an important role he plays on this team. He, he, but, he did great last year. But he's not going to handle right. kickoffs. They brought in some guys that can handle that, including a, a transfer kicker at the beginning of August. And it sounds like he might be the front runner to handle that uh situation so let's see what's going to happen with the kickoff uh, situation but the ball's going to go through the end zone this year they've worked on that and nebraska all through fall camp has started every practice with a couple special teams periods
2: it seems like a pretty minor stat but you've heard scott frost talk time and again about field position field position field position if every single time you're on defense and you can guarantee the opposing team is starting at the 25 yard line
1: that's a win Well, Nebraska had a couple of kickoffs returned for touchdowns against Mm -hmm. them. And, you know, it wasn't just the execution of the kicks. There was also some breakdowns in kick coverage. And we've heard multiple times throughout fall camp that the guys that are on the kickoff unit trying to run down there and tackle uh, the kick returner, they're not walk-ons. They're not third stringers. Anybody might be on that unit. They've really increased the personnel in Mm -hmm. those groups. And sometimes coaches and teams will operate in a different way, that they will have more of their reserves handle special teams for the sake of not risking an injury. Because, I mean, when it's kickoff, those guys are running as fast as they can down the field. And there are some good Coach Dawson said it's as pure as football gets. Some big-time collisions on that. So that's the logic behind using some of your reserve players on special teams units. But because Nebraska knows that they can't have a repeat of 2020 from a production on special teams standpoint, Mm -hmm. that's why they've kind of re- thunk this whole thing and said if you can play football you may be on special teams and we know that some of these outside linebackers and uh in particular they might be on every special teams unit the one uh unit we haven't talked about
2: punting i do have a statistic i should be able to talk you know uh net punting statistic 2020 with a net of 35 yards nebraska ranked 111th in the country can punting get better you have the the Australian, right, and then you have uh, Pristup, who who did punting duties last year.
1: Daniel Cerny is the Aussie, and he's more of a rugby style punter. The one thing that I know this coaching staff always emphasizes when it comes to the punt game is punting it in a specific spot. This was the undoing of Caleb Lightborn, a name that you know is going to send send shivers up some listeners' spots. Right. Not that Caleb. But he could do a Rubik's punt. cube behind his back. Yeah insanely talented individual (laughs) he had a huge leg bill he could punt the ball 50 to 60 yards but he wouldn't punt the ball where this coaching staff wanted it And, and scott frost made no bones about that being a deficiency of caleb lightborn as a punter he'd put the ball in the middle of the field and the returner had so much space and they could create gaps and that's where they struggled on the punt unit i think it's less about who has the biggest leg of Pristup, of Cerny, and anybody else competing for that job? And it's more about, can you put the ball outside the numbers mm-hmm. or near the sideline? And that way, you can let your punt unit collapse on it and try to limit a big return.
2: And not shank it like every time I swing a golf club. I want to go to Eddie right now. Uh, Eddie, one of the, I think you covered this part of fall camp. And really, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is when they talked about kickoff return, and who's going to be returning the kicks? And what, they had 30 people run back there?
3: Yeah, something crazy like that. They had a ton of guys that they said they uh, they really wanted to, that, that were competing for that spot. And Coach Dawson, like you guys said, very quotable coach, gives great soundbites, said, you know, we don't want to give away the keys to the castle right now. So I'm sure they have a couple guys in mind. But as of right now, they've been pretty tight-lipped on who we're going to see uh, returning kicks for nebraska this year but what does so, that
2: what does that I, say that you have 30 people trying to volunteer to to be in that position a position that you get lit up more often <laughs> than not
3: it shows that uh they want to be as well as a team i think they want to be better on special teams you know i think everybody kind of realizes that they, this has been an issue for them especially last year and i think you know a lot of these guys they want to whether it be one of the best receivers on the team they want to go out in any way they can help the team win even if it's you know, maybe taking an extra hit they want to do that so i think the from a confidence standpoint and uh you know how driven these guys are it's a pretty good uh place to be granted i don't know if we're going to see you know number one receiver or anything out there because i don't know if we want to see that injury happen but it is very possible
2: all right will defense be better kevin
1: yes will special teams be better Kevin? yes okay quick answers it's gonna be hard to be worse bill It really is. Not that they didn't make significant progress. They did. But again, you have so many returners on defense. They have to be better. And they're putting an emphasis on taking the football away. They have to be better. And then from a special team standpoint, if they can kick the ball out of the end zone with either one of their three kickers right now, I think that that's going to help out the the special team starting right there. And I think that the message has gotten across pretty clearly that allowing a pu- a big punt return or a big kickoff return, it is a no-go. The, the tolerance for that is zero right now because it really affected this team last year. Let's uh... Go to the face of the Husker defense, the
2: face of the Husker offense, and see what they had to say on the Monday before week zero. It is Illinois week.
0: Why are you at Nebraska, man? Uh, the the lights showing cameras are always here. Uh, they have to be ready for that. We just can't let that, you know, uh, overwhelm anybody because it is the the first week of college football just to kick everything off and everybody needs to stay locked in. Don't jump into the hype, man. Just, like I said, stay locked in and be ready for this game. We, we really have to get this one. I want to so bad, like, I want to so bad. I'm excited to play football, you know, and last year we were running out there and there's about 10 people up in the stands and this year it's gonna be full. So uh, anytime you get to, I'm living out my dream, you know, plain and simple. This is what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Wanted to come to a big time school, play big time football, play in these type of atmospheres um, and be the starting quarterback, so. Yeah, I got, I got nerves, I got the butterflies, I'm pumped. So part of that too, uh, knowing what you're doing, that type, it it doesn't go away. You know, you're excited to be out there.
2: We told you last week on the End Report podcast that we weren't going to be talking about off-season workouts and analysts this week. We're not talking about analysts and off-season workouts. We're talking about champagne. we're talking about Illinois, we're talking about Adrian Martinez trying to live out his dream, and we're talking about Cam Taylor-Britt, who... He wants this one he wants it so bad you can hear it in their voices
1: and it's not so much about nebraska losing to illinois last year it's just about 2021 nebraska football right now is a blank page and the huskers know that they can rewrite the script from some of the negative taste in the mouths of husker fans that has really changed the way that the offseason has felt there's been a skepticism a cynicism a criticism It just hasn't been the traditional excitement that is felt in June, July, and August across Lincoln and the state of Nebraska. Instead, there's just a different vibe from the fans' perspective. And I think that this team has this hunger and this motivation to make 2021 a giant step forward and to help this team get right back on the tracks.
2: A quick scouting report of the fighting Illini. This is from the uh, game notebook that the Husker media staff, they're always so great at putting together every single week for every single opponent. All right, Illinois returns 81% of its total starts on offense from last season, 86% of its total starts on defense. Returns more scholarship seniors, 17 from last year's roster than any Power 5 team. Roster features 11 players who have earned all Big Ten recognition in their careers, including the punter of the year, Blake Hayes. That's a lot of returning people from a 2-6 team, a 2-6 team that I should mention beat Nebraska 41-23 to 23 in 2020.
1: You know, the one thing that's going to make Illinois pretty good here is the mystery of it all. Brett Bielema, I think a lot of people maybe forgot that he is... The bad taste in
2: Husker fans, Matt.
1: Yeah, he's the head coach there, and you know he didn't have the most success at Arkansas, but he had a ton of success in the Big Ten, and a lot of people that observed Brett Bielema's coaching career, they said that's what really led to some failures in the SEC is it's not his smash mouth well he's back in the Big Ten where he had a very successful blueprint that he used at Wisconsin and he went to the Big Ten championship game on multiple occasions and even beat Nebraska in Indianapolis beating is a kind
2: word yeah kind well way to put let's it move for it forward we don't <laughs> need to dwell on that any
1: longer and he's got a team that has some experience along the offensive and defensive lines Brett Bielema likes that they've got a pretty talented quarterback in Brandon Peters Bilal Maliks, a quarterback that is doesn't have to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten, but knows how to be efficient on offense. And then he's got a pretty talented running back in Chase Brown as well.
2: Illinois pretty commonly uh, picked last in the Big Ten West standings, despite all of this, all of these returners. Rushing defense last year, 14th. Total defense last year, 14th. Scoring defense last year, 13th. Red zone offense last year, 14th. Red zone defense last year, 11th. So that's with, with Lovey ten- though.
1: That that that's with right, Lovey Smith that's right. the head coach who's a very talented defensive But it's also a team that's coach. returning 86% of its total starts on defense. Right. But the scheme's going to change. And that's what's made Nebraska's prep for Illinois pretty tricky. What are they going to do? Illinois not releasing a depth chart just like Nebraska's not releasing a depth chart. It's a cat and mouse game right now. No one wants to show their hand and I would be would not be surprised if on Saturday both teams are going through warmups and the folks in the stadium have no idea who's starting for either team. That's part of the intrigue with this, because Illinois, they might have done a complete shift with their offensive system. Don't know. Eddie, what do you think, uh,
2: Preview, in Illinois? Do you think this is a team that looks completely different than it did in 2020, their 2-6 two and six record? Or is this a team that, that with all of their returning starters, looks more of the same with a few tweaks? As-
3: I think they look. I think they look a little different. I mean, I think it's similar to what we've been talking about uh, here at Nebraska. I mean, I, last year obviously you know fell short, but we're talking about all these guys who are key returners on defense. Meanwhile, Bill, you gave all those statistics on defense of where they lacked, but we're saying they're going to improve. I think it's going to be a similar thing, especially with all those super seniors. It's going to be very similar uh, from Illinois' standpoint. You get a new head coach in there, new schemes, who, like you said, has had success in the Big Ten before. So I think they're they're going to improve. I don't know. You know, if I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten, but I do think they're going to be a lot more competitive, similar to, like I said, uh, Nebraska, with a lot of guys returning, a lot of guys hungry, a lot of super seniors that want to come out and prove themselves.
1: Thoughts, Kevin? I don't think I, – I think Illinois might make a bowl game this year. I really do. They have a pretty favorable – So you
2: think they're under-ranked?
1: Absolutely. But again, in the Big Ten, Do work, we need to
2: put the disclaimer that you graduated from the University of Illinois at Champaign. Uh,
1: n- 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 <laughs> let's leave that completely out of the discussion. But, you know, like just looking at them I, again. Yes, I went to games there as a kid. I've really I don't want to say I've grown drifted away from that program. I still try to follow them as much as I can, mm-hmm. but I don't know them even a fraction of what I know Nebraska football right now. Um, do I have a lean in the game? No, I'm a reporter. I'm just going to try to cover the game and say who won the game and uh, make sure that I'm getting good interviews and having good coverage on 10-11 news after the contest. That's my uh, overall goal. I will say that. W- However, leader. my phone will have a lot of messages one way or the other, whether it's Nebraska fans or uh, friends or Illinois friends. There's going to be a, a lot of interesting messages to go through uh, Saturday following the game. I-, I just think Illinois is a little bit, Because Brett Bielema the coach and he's got this experience, how are they last in the Big Ten West? I would have put Purdue there, quite frankly. I think Purdue is a little bit more of a messy situation. And Brett Bielema, he hired some really good coaches. His staff's pretty solid, and they've been – Out recruiting their tails off there's a lot of momentum surrounding that program right now and if you just kind of knew what was happening around champagne and the vibes around there you would not guess that that's the team picked to finish last in the west okay for people who are going to champagne where should they eat well it depends upon what you want uh, Black Dog Barbecue is number one. you got to check okay, that Black out. Black Dog Barbecue.
2: It's fantastic. I'm guessing it,
1: you're going to get barbecue there. It's in Urbana. And then Monocle's Pizza is one of my favorite pizza joints of Chicago all time. Is that Chicago style? It is not. It's thin crust, cracker crust. It's phenomenal. You can hit that up. Uh, and then if you want to go for a really good steak, there's a place called the Ribeye. And you know if it's called the Ribeye, you better be good at ribeyes, and they are. But if you're going to get a
2: steak, get it in Nebraska, right? Don't get it They, in they don't have too
1: bad of steaks there in, uh, in, across the Midwest. I That's don't, true. That's true. I, I would compare the Ribeye to Misty's. It's it's the Illinois' Misty's because it has, when you walk in, right on. it's got some old retro Illinois basketball, football, uh, all the and old helmets. And if you're looking for a
2: place with a, with a cold one and
1: 30 TVs? Oh, there's a lot of places I could tell <laughs> tell you about with that. Uh, Tumble Inn's a place. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's a place uh, Hula Hands, which is really okay. close to the football stadium. And then you just go to Green Street, uh, you'll find it. Is, that the, on, is that
2: the Illinois it,
1: version of O Street? It, essentially, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got a little bit more activity. It goes straight down the middle of Campus Town, and uh, there are a lot of places to eat there. And there's some boutiques there now, and it looks a lot different than when I was in college there. A lot, a lot more going up around the street. There are yeah. high-rise apartments and oh, yeah. a bunch Lincoln of. it looks clothes. a lot different than. Very true. 10, 11 years ago, Yeah, also. We're, ta- yeah we're, we're talking 20 years here.
2: Saturday, August 28th, 1220, Champaign, Illinois, their version of Memorial Stadium. It'll be on Fox. Joe Davis, Brock heward on the call. All right, Eddie, let's hear it. Prediction. I'm going to go
3: 3224 Nebraska.
2: Just, just, uh, period, end of sentence. <laughs> no, no, reasoning. no reasoning.
3: No reasoning. That's my prediction. I don't want to. Did he I
2: just pull wanna... some lottery
1: bowls out? Is that how he came up with?
2: 32? I don't know. For everybody listening on podcast, he was looking at the sky for about 10 seconds before he, he pulled that out of his head. All right, 32 I, I, 20. I
3: saw it. It came to
2: me. 32 24 for Eddie. I got to go to you, Kevin. What do you think?
1: I'm going to take Nebraska 41 to 23. I so, think uh, It's Hus- almost a reversal of last year's game in Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. I think Nebraska offensively is going to look... Adrian's played very well against Illinois in his career. Remember last year's game, you know, he played one series or one drive. It was at the tail end the end of the game. It was the McCaffrey game. It oh. was the McCaffrey game, and it, it didn't go so well for Nebraska. They had a lot of miscues going all the way back to the first play from scrimmage. So I think with Adrian leading the charge with, with an improved offensive line, I'm really fascinated to find out who's going to be Nebraska's starting running back and how many carries will that individual get? Will it be Sevion Morrison? Will it be Marquis Stepp? I could see the starting running back for Nebraska getting 20-plus carries. They want to go downhill, and I think that that might be a, a successful recipe. And I think that this defense is going to cause some problems for Illinois. I think, I think Nebraska jumps on them early, and they go on to win.
2: I told you I'm a glass-half-full guy. I'm going to go with a bold prediction here. The last time Nebraska scored 60 points against Idaho State September 22, 2012, I think they might hang 60 on it. That's a huge number, Bill. They haven't done it in nine years. This is Against a defense the conference that, team? Against a conference team that's returning a bottom-of-the-barrel defense against a conference team that's returning pretty much everybody back from that bottom-of-the-barrel defense. And, oh, yeah, you have a four-year starter at quarterback. I think something clicks for Adrian, I think something's clicking for this team, I think playing Illinois in the first game of the season, despite all of the distractions you had in the offseason, the fact that they got their heinies whipped last year, and now you're going to Champaign, it's a chip on your shoulder, I think this is a Nebraska team that's going to win by three touchdowns.
1: 60 is a giant number, that's hard to do against non-con teams. Like, You kind of got me speechless right, you're not only What's in your glass half-full, guy? That's what my question is right now. It's Monday, Kevin. It's just water. <laughs> 60 just is w- I, I 60's a big number, but I love your optimism.
2: It's going to be a fun season. The End Report podcast is going to be Mondays. Download it, rate, subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. We're all predicting wins. We Eddie's wanna, was a lottery pick. We, we, <laughs> we yours don't is talk, a reversal of last year, and mine is overly optimistic.
1: And I think that this is one thing we haven't touched on, but we'll do it briefly as we wrap up here on the In Report podcast. We don't really want to talk about what if the outcome is the other way, but I think there are a lot of fans that are just so and curious. We're leave it. No, I'm just no, they're just <laughs> so curious about what this team is going to look like if it doesn't get off to a good start you're gonna hear some collective grumbles and groans across Husker Nation and the climate around here. I'm not gonna say that it will be what it will be for the season, but it's just gonna be, there's just gonna be a cloud hanging over as they go into Fordham And Buffalo, which are the first two home games, and you Mm -hmm. just don't want that. And it would be a carryover of the cynicism and skepticism across the fan base. So the opportunity, it goes back to what we were saying saying in terms of the theme of Monday's news conference, the opportunity to change the narrative and start erasing some of the doubt, it starts on Saturday.
2: I tell you what, if they lose to Illinois and they play Fordham next Saturday, you can kiss that 375-game sellout streak goodbye.
1: It's very that's possible. a not
2: so bold prediction. If it, it, they, if they lose at Illinois. Which none of us think is going to happen. Again, kickoff 1220, Fox, this Saturday, August 28th, in Champaign for Kevin Suits and Eddie Messel. I'm Bill Shammer. You've been listening to the N Report Podcast.
0: You've been listening to the N Report Podcast from ten eleven now. Favorite guard song. Oh man. Oh, uh grew up with that stuff. Colin Baton Rouge, probably one of them. Thunder Rolls is everybody's favorite. Cowboy Lament, I really liked. I'd say every time that it rains is probably my favorite overall, though. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. That's a good question, by the way. For more
1: Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.